Hello, and welcome back to season two of Parlay, a podcast for living and learning to bet on yourself. I'm your host, Kelly McGuire. This season, Parlay continues to bring engaging individuals and their meaningful stories to the table. We're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable on a variety of topics and growing through engagement. Discussing how their journeys unfold, what success and failure mean to them, and how to parlay your last move into your next move are just some of the topics covered. But no matter the speed you're traveling down your own path, the journey always happens one step at a time. Senator, a title that carries a unique cachet for trust, wisdom, guidance, and for this podcast host, a little bit of intimidation to be frank. Thankfully, my guest today, Senator Karen Sorensen is also approachable, generous, and has a wit and sense of humor about her that makes everyone feel welcome in her presence. Fresh into her new appointment as one of Canada's newest senators, Karen's story is one full of pivots that she has parlayed to create each new and exciting next step. Her life in Canada, crossing east to west and back again, I am eager to discuss her multifaceted career including her path into politics, first at the local level and then federal. There is no doubt of the numerous life lessons this conversation will bring. So please join me in welcoming Senator Karen Sorensen. Karen Sorensen. (laughs) There we go. There was the trip up. That's okay. (laughs) Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks very much for having me. This is exciting. Yes. Well, this is very exciting for me as uh, Karen and I were just kind of chit-chatting in the green room. Uh, This is kind of my first politically inclined guest, I would say. So that's always, I I always love having people with different experiences and this is, this is a first. So it's interesting, you know, I still, um, I, I, I don't really think I think of myself as a politician, which is crazy because I am, (laughs) but I I have been elected a few times and now I've been appointed, but um, yeah, I don't know what connotation I put with politician, but um, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I still don't, I struggle a little bit to use that title with, with my name, even after this long. Yeah. I was going to say, well, you're really going to be diving into it soon, full bore. So I guess. I guess people will start calling you that on the regular now if they haven't already. (laughs) So just a bit of background. I wanted to let everybody know how I actually met Karen because I think it's a really uh, wonderful way. My my mother and a group of her very good um, friends that she's been friends with her entire life normally do a trip every year together. And obviously with everything going on in COVID in the past few years, they hadn't been able to get to the destinations that they normally travel to together. And they decided to um, make a go of it and stay within Canada. And they came out to the Canmore area. And lo and behold, one of my mom's really good friends was very good friends with Karen and has been for almost the same amount of time. And I was hosting my mom and her friends and they said, oh, and Karen's coming and she's, she's elected to the Senate. And I was like, oh gosh, what are we going to have for dinner? Like all of a sudden I got very nervous. And then Karen came over and it was great. It was like, I had known you a very long time. So yeah, it was fun. It, it was a great group of women. And yeah, uh, the woman you referred to Margie, I've known her for over mm-hmm. 40 years. And yeah. so, uh, yes, I related quite well to that group of women. It yeah. was great to have everybody here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just a testament to the importance of uh, 
a friendship. I really think so highly of my mom and the group of ladies that she's been friends with for their their whole lives, uh, been through thick and thin together. And I have to say, I think that, like they they still know how to have a great time. Yeah, always up I, for know, new I, things. I, and, I think yeah, I think women do that very very well. Uh, and I hope that anybody listening has friends that they can look back over the decades with and or are at a point in their life where they're developing those relationships because, um, yeah, you know, those people that are just so special in your life at a particular time in your life uh, can remain to be very special in your life for decades as, mm-hmm. as we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was so glad that we, we were able to meet and now we get to do this. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we happy are. to be here. Uh, excellent. Happy to have you. So I always like to start with a bit of a check-in. Um, obviously, as I say to most of my guests, last 20 months haven't been what we're all used to. And just wondering how you're doing, how it's kind of affected what you have going on. And uh, yeah, where you're at right now. And where are you at physically right now? In Canmore? I'm in Banff. I live in oh, Banff. Oh, so, sorry. In Banff. Sorry. Right, yes. Right, I knew that. Right. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I had Canmore on the brain from yes, our first yeah. week. But yes, you are in Banff. As yes. we will fully get into later as being the mayor of Banff. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I would say that these past 20 months have had impacts on me both professionally and personally. And I would say it's very different. Um, so I have been the mayor of Banff for 11 mm-hmm. years and I sat on Banff Town Council for six years before that. So 17 years in municipal politics. See, I'm a politician. Uh, but, you know, I wanna, <laughs> you know, as we get into politics, municipal politics to me are so grassroots. You know, they mm-hmm. are they are the basis um, where you're in touch with your constituents every day, mm-hmm. all the time, buying Cheerios yeah. You know, going to the post office as we do here. Um, so I think that's uh, when I made reference earlier about, you know, not necessarily fitting the role of politician. I think that's why yeah. I think municipal politics are so grassroots that um, it somehow doesn't feel like that. But as mayor of Banff um, during the pandemic, it has been incredible. Well, it's been devastating to our community. We only yes. have one economy in Banff, yeah. which is tourism. Um, for your listeners, Banff is located in Banff National Park, which comes with a lot of rules and regulations and certainly a huge amount of privilege uh, to be able to call the town of Banff home. But because of that, we are here as a service center for visitors and that is our only industry. So everybody can imagine what has happened with tourism. So it was very difficult as the um, leader of this community um, to work with our businesses, to watch what was happening to people. Uh, a huge part of our population is temporary foreign workers because that's who sustain us from an employee base. They all got called home. Well, of course, we're seeing the repercussions of that now, as many industries are. Um, and to see, you know, our streets completely quiet and to see our economy uh, fall to the level that it did was incredibly difficult. Uh, I, I do believe and there are silver linings to these things, including this pandemic. I think that Banff Lake Louise as a tourism destination will serve us out of this, um, maybe looking at how we do things a little bit differently um, and, uh, you know, seeing how susceptible we are to to uh, a huge economic downturn like that. We've had them before uh, through, you know, I, I'm reflecting on 
you know, SARS or 9-11, of course, caused a huge disruption in the tourism industry, um, just economic downturn, either within the world or within our province. We've had them before, but nothing quite like this. This yeah. has been extraordinary. And then yes. I would just add on a personal note, and I think for everybody, I think we've learned a lot. I can say my fondest memory <laughs> um, of living through the pandemic was the opportunity, uh, not once, not twice, but three times, <laughs> I made my way up to Lake Louise. And I stood on the shores of Lake Louise completely alone. Mm -hmm. And that, Which is very hard to do there. It, it's impossible. <laughs> <Usually>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe at three o'clock in the morning, you might be able yeah. to do that. But um, yeah, I yeah, know to go up there and stand in that grandeur and be on the shores, as I said, uh, completely alone. I think personally, from a business perspective, we're all learning that, yes, people can work in different environments and still be successful and efficient. Um, yeah, I think we've I think we've learned a, a lot through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely I can't even tell you how many times I've stopped to think about the fact of how grateful that I have been to live where we live during this particular time in the world, specifically in Western Canada. I, I feel that we all are so lucky to have access to nature, which I think has been a huge help for a lot of people getting, getting through the pandemic and kind of keeping good mental health habits. And to have some space, I can't imagine what it was like, especially at the beginning of the pandemic in Italy, where a lot of families were not allowed to even leave their apartments, which most, a lot of families live in apartments in those bigger European cities. Some of them don't have outdoor access. And they're also just not used to being in those smaller places that much altogether. It's a very community-driven lifestyle, eating out a lot, utilizing public parks, here we're fortunate to have more space and yeah i've just i can't even tell you how many how many times i have been outside whether it was cross country skiing or downhill skiing or even just going for a walk and not being in a confined area and just being surrounded by nature and all the natural yeah. beauty that we have out here it, it's that has been a real silver lining and i think something that people maybe that we had taken for granted being out here because we're surrounded by it all the time. Something that really, it really hit home for people that we need to be champions of our area and, and tourists in our own backyard a lot more mm -hmm. than maybe what we had been doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, to be able to leave our homes and go out into nature. I mean, I would often be not even out necessarily hiking in backcountry or anything, just mm -hmm. strolling up to the BAMP center mm -hmm. and, you know, you'd come across one other individual and mm -hmm. you knew them. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> As is the beauty and, of a know, small town. <laughs> yeah. I have a memory of standing up there with a friend who works with Parks Canada and, you know, we were both crying, like just, you know, but we had this opportunity. And to your point, a lot of it was, was gratitude. Of course, going back to the role as mayor or elected officials in this community, it was, I, I couldn't believe that I had to get on media and tell people to stay home. That's yes, not, that's not that's not so, the message. That's not what we do no, here. That's we the, welcome that's the, the polar world. opposite. Exactly, right. that's the polar opposite of the yeah. of the message of. Uh, so of lots a place lots like of 
lots of people, certainly in Alberta, were also craving what you and I get to experience because of the environments we live in. And uh, we we did have to ask people to stay home. And um, yeah, it was that was that was a tough one. Uh, yes. But, you know, you, you, you do for the health of our community and we worried yes. about too many visitors coming, even if they were going to be outside walking, mm-hmm. but it was, if people got sick and our hospitals being overloaded and we couldn't exactly. have people overloading the grocery stores, et cetera, mm-hmm. we needed that. We needed our residents to be safe. So it was a hard message to give, but I, I, I stand by it and I mm-hmm. firmly believe it was the right decision at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like we're progressing in the right direction now. So hopefully Let's hope so. Hopefully Banff can uh, welcome everybody again with open arms very soon. Yeah. 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 It's been pretty busy actually here um, just over this last weekend with Remembrance Day, et cetera. So yeah. And as long as people are showing, you know, their vaccinations, then um, life can be somewhat normal, almost normal. Yes. It's feeling normal compared to where we were. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So let's roll back here a little bit. You did not, you're not from the West as neither am I, we're both Ontario girls. Yeah, I grew up born and raised, <laughs> born and raised in Orangeville, Ontario. I, I mm-hmm. went to the University of Guelph. I, um, you know, don't necessarily say this with pride, but it took me five years to get a three-year degree. <laughs> but that's because uh, I, hey, you enjoyed your time there. Well, you know what? I say that's where I, that that's actually my takeaway from post-secondary yeah. education is I actually understood my skill set. I, you know, mm-hmm. I like to be very engaged in the community, whatever my community mm-hmm. is at that point yes. it was a campus. And I'm incredibly good at building relationships. And yes. um, you know, that called for lots of coffee and beers and things. So yeah. um I uh although I may not have um excelled at an academic level in post-secondary education, I certainly given that opportunity and that experience, you know, started to come into who I, I actually really believe I am. So I went to school in Guelph. And then as many of us did at that time, late 70s, early 80s, um, I came out west sort of for mm-hmm. the summer. And then mm-hmm. the summer turned into the summer and the fall. And then <laughs> yeah. I and then I took a whole year off and then I yeah. go back. But eventually I did go back and forth between the provinces mm-hmm. and completed a, a BA. Uh, and then I came back out here. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started to work in the hospitality industry, which was my which was my uh, career was hospitality, particularly in the hotel sector. I worked in the hotel mm-hmm. industry for many, many years. Yes. Well, and it's interesting. I actually recorded another podcast a few weeks ago and just kind of talking about the university piece. I often think back and uh, what did I even know what I was doing with my life at 18? And you have to make this big decision. Uh, obviously, it's a financial investment. It's a big time investment. And sometimes it takes time. Like I, I feel as a, you know, 40, almost 40 year old, I'm, I'm still sorting some of those things out, figuring where, where your place is. And sometimes university or whether it's college or a trade or whatever you're, you're doing, um, it's, it's just a piece of the puzzle, you know, Mm -hmm. you can continue on from there and you get to try different fits and see if, if that's the place. And sometimes you whip through it and sometimes you, you know, deviate and figure out what the right path is. So, yeah, I'm, I still am in awe of people who from a young age, or even as you said, at 18 or 19 say, no, I'm going to university, I'm going to do this. And I think, you know, maybe more do that than actually follow through. But when I've met somebody who sort of knew from the get go, how they wanted to spend their life uh, professionally, 
I'm I'm still in awe of it. Uh, it certainly was an experience of my children either. So I've been very gentle <laughs> with them <laughs> in terms of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So it's exactly. all good experiences. I don't think there's any wrong answer in terms of what you do, uh, either immediately out of high school or moving forward. I, I think mm-hmm. it's all learning. Exactly. Uh, and then once you got to Banff, as you said, you were working in the hospitality area. And mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, so you were employed by a larger company and then eventually you decided to branch out on your own. Is that correct? Right. So I worked in interesting again, I, I worked in the hotel industry. I worked in a mm-hmm. number of hotels in Banff. Most would know the Banff Springs Hotel, but mm-hmm. I worked in a number of hotels in Banff. Somewhere along the line, uh, I met my husband who I've now been married to for 34 years. And he was a Banff local in that his mm-hmm. family came from Denmark when he was two. So uh, his oh, wow. mom was here and his sister was here and he had family here, which is a bit unusual. Very, um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we dated and as I say, he sired my children and that's how I got my local status. And- <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, it's actually quite tricky to live in Banff. It's not straightforward. You have to be working, right? Or own a working, business. Yeah. You have to be working in Banff National Park in order mm-hmm. to have what we call a need to reside. Mm-hmm. And um, which is why we don't have uh, timeshare or mm-hmm. Airbnbs, etc. cetera. Um, the housing that is here is intended for the people who need to live here in order to serve our visitors. But anyway, Karsten and I got married. And then interesting enough, we actually went back to Ontario again. Oh, Um, I don't think I remember that. He uh, he decided, we decided to give Ontario a go. I continued to work in the hotel industry back there with Delta Mm -hmm. Hotels. And then um, we had our first son and he was a few months old. And I said, there's a really great place to raise children. And I would like our children to be raised in Banff, in Banff National Park. So we came back and I continued uh, in the hotel industry uh, for a few more years. Second baby came along. And then it was when the kids were quite young, I started my own company. And in that company, I did a lot of training. So customer service training, sales training. Um, my background had been sales and public relations. And so I kind of fell to that. And that was, that was fun. And I had my own business um, for, uh, I guess it would amount to 10 years. Uh, Somewhere in there, I ran for school board. So my first elected position was as a school board trustee in the Canadian Rockies. And then um, in 2004, I ran for town council and was reelected in 2007. So during that time, I actually continued my own business as well. I could manage both. Council was Mm -hmm. a part-time job and I could do uh, both. And then in 2010, when I became the mayor, I let my own business go. Um, and then I stayed being mayor for, uh, what, 11 years. Yeah, I was gonna say up until so three, up until three recently. elections, three elections yeah. as mayor. Yeah, until recently, uh, the mm-hmm. election we will get into the appointment of the Senate. Yep. <laughs> but um, the uh, the election was just in October. And I had said even back in 2017 that it would be my last term, that I wouldn't run again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I knew that these last four years and the timing of this appointment was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really great timing. So I did have to step away as mayor uh, prematurely, but only by a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And how did you know, I think we, we talked about this that evening at uh, in Canmore, 
that to make the move, you know, from the stability of being an employee and you had young children. And if I remember correctly, had your husband not just started his own business and you kind of said, well, I think, I think I have this idea. And it was, you know, you're kind of like, maybe not the best time for this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. So maybe you can elaborate on that because that was, it seemed like a big, that was one really big step for you. Yeah, it was. And again, looking back, it might have been crazy. So Karsten has his own has his own business and continues to have his own business. He's a financial planner. And so we decided that I would um, sort of always have the steady job with the steady paycheck and the health benefits and dental plan yeah. <laughs> uh, that came with it. And then he could aspire in his role as an entrepreneur and build that business for both of us, you know, mm -hmm. for our family. Uh, however, um, yeah, I remember going and hearing a speaker and being inspired by them. And I can't, I couldn't tell you what the comments were or whatever, but I remember mm -hmm. leaving that, that weekend going, uh, and I did, I came home and I said to Karsten, <laughs> I know we have this deal, <laughs> but I think I want to, I think I want to change that deal. I said, I'd really like to start my own business, mm -hmm. of course. And he was great and supportive, but it, it was, it was scary for sure. So I remember mm -hmm. getting a couple of contracts pretty easily right off the bat with people I had worked with before. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it was, you know, it was successful. And financially, I did better than I was as a full time employee. That being said, we were paying for a health benefit plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and a few other things. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, really appreciate my husband, he has always been, you know, so supportive of me. And uh, in some ways, we have, you know, a traditional marriage in terms of gender responsibilities and in other ways it's maybe not as traditional but i do know that you know we support each other and and in all areas of life i just think that's it doesn't have to be a spouse but just to have support in in uh, moving forward with decisions that you make are are important you know even deciding to to run for office you know you need to be mm -hmm. prepared to lose yes and uh you know it's probably not pretty on the other end of that so yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was how I started my own business. And, and it was great fun. And I, I mean, I never aspired to grow the business. I, I never wanted to have employees. I did my own sales. I did my own bookkeeping. Um, I was delivering workshops and giving keynote addresses. I wrote all my own materials. Um, I learned to do a whole lot of team building activities and would create these programs for different businesses. But it was all me. And I, I never wanted it to be any different than that. It wasn't that I was trying to create some big training company. I just wanted to, you know, and, and honestly at that time too, flexibility. Um, yes. Yeah. That was going to be another I remember, question of mine with the kids yeah. being home and young. And, and then obviously the, around that same time you became involved with the school board and right. like that's, that's a lot. And you do need some flexibility in your life to yeah. be able yeah. to make it all work. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I was general, generally able to sort of be home at the end of the school day, even if I was working. And um, yeah, it, it, it was good. I remember my first year in business, um, I, you know, I had a few contracts and it was going okay. And then of course, it was summer and I got nothing. Because yeah. who wants to hire somebody to train their staff in the summer in Banff. Mm -hmm. And I was quite mortified. And then I about, you know, partway through the summer, I went, wait a minute. <laughs> I kind of like, this is good. Yeah. And so then from then on, just sort mm -hmm. of manage the business to say, 
you're not going to have any work in July and August. Mm-hmm. So you need to do enough the rest of the year to, yeah. you know, supplement that, but it's a good thing. And, it, mm-hmm. and then it, and then it was, I was, you know, sort of able to take the time, you know, and I didn't get booked to work over Christmases or, you know, mm-hmm. holidays. So it was really quite a nice fit in those 10 years with the kids. Yeah. Well, I think a big piece too, I think people, and maybe, maybe COVID has maybe helped this is evaluating maybe what success means to you. And sometimes success isn't always, I I had this conversation with a friend who was kind of offered a promotion, but she's like, I don't actually really know if that's what I want, because if I take this, then it has to take away from other parts of my life. And I don't really know if I want to make that change. I don't know if having this title is worth giving these, say, whether it's hours with family or even time to do your own thing is worth it. And we had a conversation about that and kind of said the same thing, like success is what you think success is. If that, if success is being able to live your life the way you want to and have flexibility, or maybe success to you is, you know, you want to work 80 hours a week because it really fulfills you in what you're doing. Great. But there is no one set definition of what success is. We all get to set that for ourselves. Yeah. And, and it can change, right? I mean, I'm 60 sure. years old. I'm mm-hmm. in my fourth career at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, in all my jobs and just in life, I, I, I always use the comparison of value versus cost. So something might cost a lot, but what's the what's the value in doing it? And again, I'm yes. kind of making reference now to almost political decisions around, yeah. you know, what's the cost of this, but mm-hmm. what's the value to the community in terms of, of doing it? Or what's the cost of an environmental initiative, but what's the value of making sure you mm-hmm. do the right thing environmentally? But even taking it to that personal level, what do you value? Mm-hmm. And And there's no wrong answer, you know, no judgment. But mm-hmm. I personally knew that I have always valued time with my family and I have always, always valued mm-hmm. autonomy mm-hmm. in terms of my time. Yes. Um, and so even as a full-time mayor, I, I still had autonomy, you know, if I, I could still work at home when I wanted to and if I needed to, to zip by the grocery store on my way to, you know, a, a meeting or something, then that could happen. So for me, those were things that I really valued and um, somehow continue. Well, maybe not somehow, maybe with intention, figured out that figured out how, how to always have that in my life. And just my, my life has changed a little bit at this point. Yeah, just a but, tad. <laughs> just a tad. Uh, but that's mostly to do with the, with the travel, right? So yeah. um, anyway, so we can move into that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's important to figure out what do you value and then set your intention to to get that. And, you know, without getting too woo-woo, it's, um, mm-hmm. it is crazy what you can manifest. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your time as the mayor because – Banff is such a unique town. It's it's like kind of this crown jewel of uh, of Canada. It's such a special place. But something that maybe most people don't realize is being the mayor of Banff is it's like you're the mayor of like this the smallest biggest town in Canada. It is is a place that worldwide so many people know about. You know, often if 
if I'm traveling somewhere, well, not recently, when I used to travel places, <laughs> um, people would say, oh, where are you from? We say Canada. Okay, which part of Canada? Say Calgary. And they, you know, they'd kind of be like, okay. And I'd say, bam. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's more popular than a lot of places, uh, you know, on international recognition. And I know that being the mayor of a small town, you're dealing with, obviously, all of your local constituents, which you have to handle in a certain manner, and, and it's a very tight community. And then there's the uniqueness of it being in the park, which, as you said, has its own kind of pros and cons, pluses and minuses of, of, of uh, running it. But then there's this whole other piece where it's like you're, it's like you're like this celebrity town, but like everybody who there is, you know, very down to earth and, but it attracts people from all over the world. And so could you talk a little bit about kind of that juxtaposition? It's almost like you had to wear two mayor hats. Yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly right. Now, the popularity of Banff is with intent, of course, and, and Banff National Park was created and, and we are a park for people not to keep people out. And, um, you know, we have a magnificent national park here. And so that is marketed, but our destination is, you know, millions are spent. Uh, mm -hmm. marketing our destination to the yes. world. Yes. Um, let's pre-pandemic, our greatest uh, market was still the United States, but Asia, Europe, et cetera, and, and of course, Canada. Um, so our population in Banff, and today I actually couldn't tell you what the population is in Banff. We have no idea. Um, because so many, <laughs> as I said, of our of our uh, employees who were on holiday work visas, um, et cetera, got, got, called, got called home. So normally mm -hmm. we would be a population of about 9,000. Mm -hmm. And we serve four and a half million visitors a year. So wow. I used to say to other levels of government, we flush toilets for 25,000 people a day on a tax base of 9,000. We, yeah. we collect garbage for four and a half million people uh, yes. with 9,000 residents. We turn on lights, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it was always a very um, interesting uh, challenge. Um, you know, a couple of things that I'd love to tell when I have the opportunity. Everybody in Banff is not wealthy. Let's let's yes. just start right there. Mm -hmm. In fact, the income in Banff is below the average uh, mm -hmm. in Alberta because we do have so many people working in the service sector. Another interesting uh, fallacy is people somehow believe that because we're in a national park, we would have extra funding like mm -hmm. from the federal government or something. Not so. In fact, we pay rent. So every year the town of Banff pays uh, $550,000 to the federal government for the right to be here. That is the cost of our lease. Interesting. Um, so, I never knew that. Exactly. And one other thing, let me clear up. When you come through the park gates and you are asked for a fee to come into Banff National Park, mm -hmm. it does not come to the town of Banff. Um, no, I is, don't imagine it did at all. But, yeah. ma but many people, many people think, well, yeah. you know, you're charging for parking, but we have to pay to come into the park or whatever the case may be. But the truth is, uh, and, and I don't like to say we see none of that money in that mm -hmm. that money goes to the upkeep and the beautification of Banff yes. National Park and the town mm -hmm. of Banff benefits from that, not within the limits, but the picnic tables or the washrooms yes. or whatever, so the roads, um, yes. that is where that money goes. And so I mm -hmm. say to everybody, please happily pay your price to come into any national park. In fact, yes. in fact, buy an annual pass uh, mm -hmm. and support your national parks. But people, I think, assume somehow we see a piece of that um, when you're collecting money at the park gate and, and that's not mm -hmm. the case. So yes, it is unique. Um, I used to say that the best part about being mayor of Banff is when I wasn't in Banff because to your, <laughs> <laughs> to your point, um, 
people are intrigued about Banff and they are intrigued by being the mayor. And I had lots of opportunity to be lots of places in the world uh, where people knew Banff and, um, uh, you know, other countries, particularly Americans, they're much more impressed by mayors than Canadians are. <laughs> Karen's like, and my next move is moving down to the U.S. and becoming well, a mayor of a town there. No. Yeah, actually, I can assure you that is not my next move. Uh, I'm using so, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, they might like their mayors more, but I'm blessed and privileged and fall to my knees every day and thankful to be a Canadian, as you, yes. as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, you know, people in Banff pretty much just want their snow removed or yes. they, you know, they, they don't like a decision that was made. And, um, you know, NIMBY is alive and well as it is in every community. Uh, and so it, it really was this weird balance um, where our residents understand that tourism is our only economy, but mm-hmm. then there's too much traffic. And yes. Uh, you know, fix that, fix that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could, please. So, uh, but I'll tell you, I, I I didn't know this new job was coming my way, this new opportunity. Uh, th- that the position of mayor of Banff has been the privilege of my life. I mean, it was, again, just an incredible job to have, opportunity to have, it wasn't fun every day. There was bubble baths yeah. and martinis maybe more often than there needed to yeah. be. But, you know, and as I said, probably, um, you know, I work really hard to, 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 to be authentic. I, I, I like mm-hmm. to think of myself as an authentic person. And as people, you know, people say, how do you be authentic? Well, it shouldn't like, it should be natural. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being authentic isn't something yeah. I try to be. Yeah. Um, I hope I just am. Mm-hmm. But the times that I probably wasn't as authentic as I am normally was when people are just nasty, right? Because you have mm-hmm. to, you have to hold your head up and you have to respond and you have to act like it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And it does. I can assure you mm-hmm. it does. Um, yeah. So again, maybe a, a message out, we're, we're all people. And uh, yeah, there were some hurtful times for sure. And again, in something yeah. like a, a pandemic where everybody's just scared, scared, yes. you know, I'll tell yes. you, people are mean almost every, all the time because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Or you know, yeah, they of, don't understand. It's unknown. Thinks something's going to change for them. They yeah. personally, their income is affected, or you know, yeah, they're afraid. Uh, and again, that it is a good life lesson to take away when somebody isn't responding in a way that you <laughs> perhaps would appreciate. It's it's probably out of fear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you did a wonderful job. Obviously, the people of the town of Banff also thought so, seeing how many terms you you sat. And um, let's let's talk a little bit about this exciting next step into the federal level. It's quite a jump. It is. And just early in the program, you made reference to me being elected to the Senate. So let me be. Oh, sorry. And you're right. That's okay. I'm glad I made that little faux pas now so you can explain it more clearly to everyone. Because we in Canada are appointed to the Senate. And while the province of Alberta um, at different times has had. Mm -hmm different positions on whether the Senate should be appointed or elected. I can assure you that Canadian senators are appointed and always have been, and it is in our constitution. Um, So I was appointed to the Senate. And what that looked like was I actually applied two years ago. If anybody's interested, it's a, it's an application process. It's online through the Canadian government. It's a, it's a thorough application. You know, there's lots of information and reference letters, etc. So I sent my application in, in um, fall of, where does that take us to 19, I guess. And there it sat. 
And then about a year after that, um, I got a note saying that uh, because we were, Alberta has six uh, senators and we were down to four for various reasons. So they were going to start looking at the um, Alberta applications. And at that point, I had a chance to update my resume or withdraw it or do whatever. So I made some changes and then silence again. And uh, I, I never, never could see this coming my way. I, I don't know how many people apply, uh, you know, thousands across Canada, I'm sure. I'm going to assume hundreds within Alberta. I don't know. Um, so, uh, I knew that I hadn't reached my best before date. I knew I wasn't going to run for municipal politics again. I didn't know what I was going to do. I started to tiptoe around a few ideas. Uh, but the fact that that application was sitting there, it was there in my brain. I can't deny it. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. I still, I still just never, never believed that it would come my way. And um, realizing um, Trudeau was going to call an election, it was assumed that he would get some senators and other appointments, judges, et cetera, in place before the election, and, and which he did. I watched some senators in June be appointed in Ontario and Quebec. And I said to my husband, I just want to wake up one morning and hear that he's appointed the senators in, or, sorry, in Alberta mm -hmm. so yeah. that I could just sort of move on from, yeah, from yeah. thinking <laughs> that. Um, so my husband and I were out uh, on the island uh, for a vacation and uh, I saw a 613 number ringing in. And I kind of looked at my phone and went, hmm. And so it was somebody from what's called the Privy Office uh, saying that they would like to uh, have a conversation with me about my application. That was scheduled for that afternoon. That was an hour long meeting, some more vetting, um, et cetera. Um, although I was told this meant nothing, that uh, they just wanted more information. So, you know, at that point, I said to my husband, well, I've got to be in there. Like, clearly, yeah. they're not calling everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I made it through so, a few heats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then there was there was silence again for about a week. And then I got a call, sorry, a text again saying um, that they would like to um, schedule an important follow-up meeting. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and forth. I happened to be getting on a ferry the next day and had to figure <laughs> out cell coverage, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So we got that scheduled. And I said to the person working with me, may I ask who I'll be speaking with? And uh, he said, you can ask, but we're pretty light on the details over here. So I, I didn't know for sure what that call was going to be. I mm -hmm. thought that maybe that was the call it was going to be. So yeah. the next day we got off the ferry. We were in Abbotsford, actually. And mm -hmm. we pulled in. I said to my husband, just get me cell coverage. And yeah. so um, we pulled into the parking lot of a local brewery. And there <laughs> I waited for the phone to ring. And it was the switchboard uh, for the prime minister's office advising me mm. that the prime minister would like to speak with me. And so um, the prime minister came on the phone and we did some little chit chat about where people mm -hmm. from Banff go on vacation since I said yeah. I was on my way back from vacation. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, he asked uh, if I would, uh, uh, if it would be his honor to ask me to sit on the Senate of Canada representing Alberta. And wow. So um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, that call was, was something. I think I think I was just sort of punching my husband's arm because he was in yeah. the driver's seat. And yeah. <laughs> just, You're like, it's happening. It's yeah, happening. exactly. Um, and I and I will say, and I have told this story. I don't think the prime minister <laughs> minds me saying this. At the end of the conversation, I said, "Prime Minister, 
Um, when we're done this call, can I assume that somebody that maybe knows more than you do is gonna, <laughs> about this process, <laughs> about yeah. this process is yeah. going to call me and tell me what I do next? Yeah, and yeah said, exactly. <laughs> he was very, uh, very humorous. And he said, yeah. great question. He said, absolutely. <laughs> and then, of course, I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. Yes. Uh, because it doesn't become public for about another week. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than my, my immediate family, I had to keep mm-hmm. it quiet. But to that point, I said, not to the prime minister, but later mm-hmm. when I was talking to some other people, yeah. I said, I have to tell my my CEO, the town manager, and I have to tell the deputy mayor because I have to step down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, how long can you wait? And I said, well, <laughs> well, when yeah. are you going to announce it? So exactly. anyway, we had to manage that. And so mm-hmm. um, sort of long story short, I did tell our town manager and I did tell the deputy mayor um, who at that time, uh, didn't even know if she was going to run in the next election. And through that whole process and then serving as the mayor for a few months, decided to run for mayor and she has been elected. And I just love the fact she's a 34 year old female. Yes. I uh, saw it in the paper last week or the week before. Yeah. 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 So I'm very proud of her. She came Mm -hmm. to me, she was 26 and I was going into my second term as mayor and said she thought she would run. She was a journalist. Yes. And I said, that would be great. And um, I like to think that I sort of mentored her through those years. And it's been very rewarding to see her step into that role. She's obviously very progressive, young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled for her. So that is the way that sort of all played out at the end in terms of me not being the mayor of Banff anymore. Yeah. Wow. And then what what does that bring you? Where does that bring us to today? Where, what? what well, what I think maybe... Like, yeah, well, so, I know what the job is, but maybe you can explain it a bit better because I think it's very different. We get bombarded even in Canada, I feel like with a lot of U.S. politics, but the way that the systems work are very, very different. And Canadian senators are, I would say, maybe describe as a little bit more behind the scenes. It's not as forward facing. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about what the role um, is for you now. Listen, there's a whole lot of Canadians who don't understand what the Senate yeah, does. Yeah. And the Senate has been controversial in the past. Mm-hmm. And certainly yes, yeah. some senators have, you know, behaved in a way that causes people to doubt their intent and and and, and what they are doing. Um, and so I'm going to talk about it in very strong layman's terms, because it's actually sure. the only way I understand it at this yeah, yeah. point. So, you know, when there is a law to be made, um, it is presented, legislation is presented normally from the House of Commons and the House mm-hmm. of Commons is the elected and those are your MPs and yes. your ministers, etc. And they, um, are, they're considered the lower house and it is considered the upper house, but it, it doesn't really mm-hmm. mean one's more important than the other. Mm-hmm. It's again, goes back to the constitution and, and, yes. and frankly is based on the British, the British model. Um, so somebody says we need a law around this. And um, it goes to the House of Commons and there's a first reading and then there's a second reading and there's education and there's committee work done on it and there's amendments and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it takes a a fair bit of time. Mm -hmm. And eventually uh, when uh, the House of Commons uh, feels that they're ready to move forward, it goes to third reading and it passes third reading. But that doesn't make a law. It then comes to the Senate. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, this is the way I describe it. And I don't know if any other Senator would, who's much more experienced than I am would, would say this isn't accurate, but I see the Senate as a kind of a focus group. It's, it's 105 people from across our country. 
everyday people, albeit I'll tell you, I'm incredibly in awe and inspired by some of my colleagues and the work they have done in their lives. Uh, pretty impressive group of people that yes. sit at the Senate. But that being said, they're everyday Canadians and they then are given that legislation mm-hmm. and said, okay, well, what do you think? So focus group, Senate, 105 Canadians from across our country. Here's what we've come up with. Now it's your turn to go over. So we go through the whole same process again. First reading, second reading, experts coming in, amendments made, all changes, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, we hope the Senate also gets to the point that they pass a third reading. And then it's considered that's considered to have royal assent and it becomes a law in Canada. So it could be just, you know, and again, I'm, I'm getting used to what even these bills are, but it like cannabis would have been a huge, yes, would have been mm-hmm. a huge piece of legislation that had to come through. Um, I know one that is top of mind for many people in our country is the law around conversion therapy. And um, that had gotten through the House, uh, but unfortunately didn't get through the Senate before the election. And so that will come back um, okay. now as actually kind of a new piece of legislation. Everything kind of gets taken down and then built yeah. back up again. Um mm-hmm. So it's those kind of topics that, you know, gun control, uh, you know, major topics in our, yeah. in our society uh, that get discussed. So that's about the best way I can describe it. Now, the Senate can also introduce a bill. Uh, okay. It can start with us. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen as often, uh, but it, it is allowed. And so a senator may come forward and say, I think this should be a law that we consider. And that whole process would happen in the reverse where the Senate would see it first and then it would get sent to the house. So if any other senators are listening, I hope I got that right. But that is again, (laughs) I honestly haven't been through this process. And so I, I am learning and don't feel the least bit bad to any of your listeners who you're going, what does the Senate do? Because it's, 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 uh, it's interesting, but it is based on um, having a second group of people who review is not uncommon and it's done in most or a lot of other places in the world. And um, yeah, it's in our constitution and that is why we exist. And I firmly support an, an appointed Senate. And the intention is that we are not, we're not tied to an election cycle. Mm-hmm. We're not beholden to anybody. We're not getting campaign contributions. Yes. And we're yeah. not, and we're nonpartisan. Yes. And I and I do call myself nonpartisan. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, been lots of chatter on, you know, those great forums like Twitter, you know, because Trudeau appointed me clearly, you know, I, I'm a liberal. Well, the fact is, as the mayor of Banff, I have worked with every color, mm-hmm. in every level of government. I have worked with conservative federal governments. I work with liberal conservative mm-hmm. governments. I have worked with conservative NDP and UCP provincial governments. I do consider myself nonpartisan and I am an independent senator. And mm-hmm. uh, that is why the Senate is not elected so that we can mm-hmm. be nonpartisan and independent in our thinking. Mm-hmm. We're not whipped. We don't have a party leader. We're everyday Canadians with varied opinions. Well, exactly. And I think um, that was going to be my next question because obviously, and we had talked about this um, the night that we had dinner is I, I know that you're nonpartisan, obviously coming from a, a municipal background, as you said, you, you work with everybody and that's just the reality at any level of politics. Like you have to, you have to work with everybody. Otherwise you're not going to get very far, but do you feel that, uh, and I think part of this comes back to, too, you've had experience living in Eastern Canada and Western Canada 
And, you know, let's be frank, like there can be a lot of misunderstanding between the country. Uh, there's, there's different wants and needs and you've been able to be on both sides of that coin. So do you feel that that is uh, an, at your advantage to be able to go into the Senate and say, listen, like, I know this is how this works here. I know this is how this works here. Here's my input from having a bit of a good, uh, you know, a good understanding of maybe what both sides of the country could be looking for. Cause I think that would be a, a really big advantage. Maybe yeah. not advantage, but just, just, you know, being able to uh, provide maybe some really balanced insight. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to think that, I, I mean, frankly, I haven't lived in Ontario in a long time, but I have certainly been back. I mean, I continue to go back and forth and I've traveled this whole country. Uh, and yes, it is, um, you know, I mean, in Alberta, we, we are, we're definitely watching a situation where our provincial government does not necessarily agree with a number of things that the federal government is doing or saying. Uh, and I guess just philosophically, mm -hmm. <laughs> can't everybody just get along? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I intend to be a senator who doesn't get too wrapped up in that. I intend to be a senator um, who we'll meet with, talk with, try and understand uh, as many perspectives as I possibly can. Um, you know, I want to work uh, towards climate action. And yet it, I just had a great meeting this morning with the Mining Association of Canada. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's very important to me that I educate myself on what our, for just using that as an example, our oil mm -hmm. industry and our mining industry mm -hmm. is doing in terms of sustainability. Those industries have been working on sustainability and net zero for, frankly, decades. Yes, and they're just exactly. not getting any acknowledgement. For exactly. It. And yeah. So, um, you know, it is about, you know, I, I would put climate action as one of my top priorities in this role, but that's not to beat down any kind of industry. I'm much more interested in learning what people are doing about it. You know, I live by the rule that, um, you know, knowledge is power and data is king. So give me data help me understand, educate me. I, I don't have a lot of time for anecdotal information. I, I, and I, I learned that <laughs> in my previous yeah. job, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you think it took you two hours to get from your home across the bridge to downtown because of the traffic going up to Sulphur Mountain Gondola. Yeah. But because we record it on our transit buses at two o'clock on that Saturday, it should have taken you 20 minutes. Yeah. I have that just, data. It felt like two hours, but it actually. I know you're yeah. frustrated. I know it's <laughs> yeah. but please don't tell yeah. me when I have the data sitting in front yeah. of me that says mm -hmm. the bus was down in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So did you park? So yeah, yeah. I just, I just use that as a sort of a personal example where I did mm -hmm. learn that is is man to help me with decisions. Give me data, and it's not that people's feelings shouldn't come into play, and that mm -hmm. you know diverse opinions shouldn't come into play, but anecdotes to me are different. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's people's perception of. I would prefer to know the reality of. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm. Uh, that thought process there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, you, you hear people all the time, well, this happens and they think this and he's a that and whatever. It's like, you know, and I, I do tend to call people out. It's like, I'm sorry, how do you, how do you, do you know that person? Yeah. Well, no, but the way they're, I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your yeah. perception. Yes. You know? Yes. 
So but what do again, you... I sorry, a lot of respect no, for the fact no, that for many, many that's... people, perception is reality, right? Of like course, it's of course. their reality. And yeah. so you have to show respect for that as well. But there is, you know, there is data for a reason. We if we went on everybody's perceptions, we it, you know, we'd constantly be changing things. Everybody has a different perception of what's mm-hmm. going on. So mm-hmm. yeah. So Karen, what has brought you the most joy and fulfillment? from your journey thus far, maybe from a personal and a professional perspective? Well, the personal, I'll just choke out because I started to cry. I mean, there's, you know, I, well, I, I mean it genuinely. I'll tell you, I have had the absolute blessing of having a strong marriage with a strong partner. Um, you know, 34 years later, what do we date through? So I guess more like 37 years later, you know, we're still very much in love and uh, have a lot of fun together. We raised um, two sons together. My husband has a son from a previous marriage and he and his wife and children are in our lives. And there is nothing that brings me more fulfillment uh, and joy uh, than uh, knowing that I have that group of people, humans, my tribe, uh, around me. And, and I would say, yeah, there's nothing more important to me, even in all these jobs that I've had, it has always been family first. Yeah. That has never been, that has never been in question. I will, you know, depending on situations, we'll always, uh, stop for, for family. Um, professionally, I think reflecting on my role as mayor, I still say, uh, I did a, a lot of work in municipal politics. There's a lot of things I'm very proud of, uh, not the least of which is getting our vacancy rate up uh, in Banff uh, for for housing. Now, pandemic aside, we still yeah. we still got the housing <laughs> inventory yeah. up uh, pre-pandemic, which was uh, a goal I had to get us to a 2% vacancy rate. We sat at a 0% vacancy rate. So with a number of decisions by all of council and with help from administration, we managed to get housing built and get our vacancy rate uh, up. But I, I will comment, I don't know, you know, your listeners, if they're from this area, we created Rome Transit, um, which uh, we started. Banff has always had a happy bus that kind of went around yes. town. And then we created a transit commission with Canmore and Banff yes. and ID9, which is Lake Louise and Parks Canada. It took uh, from 2010 till frankly, 2020, 21 to get it to where we envisioned it. But we now have um, hybrid buses uh, moving around Banff. They transport people between Banff and Canmore. Importantly, uh, we have about a thousand people that Work at live in Canmore and work in Banff, mm-hmm. so it's become a great system for them. Canmore then, of course, started their own transit system, uh, which is magnificent. And then uh, we now have uh, Rome traveling out into Banff National Park, and uh, I, I still lift that up as uh, I don't call it my accomplishment, but the accomplishment that happened in my tenure um, as, as mayor. Um, so I still hold that up uh, in that. And I can't tell you at this point, like right today in this job, what I will identify as I'm just really thrilled to have the opportunity. And um, yeah, as I said, I'm 62. I've had four careers and or three careers before this. And to have this at this point in my life, um, you know, great, great work, lots of brain candy, you know, lots of new interesting people to be working with. Uh, I just, I, yeah, I feel like I'm 20 starting, you know, starting over again. It's, it's very, very exciting. 
<laughs> so it's funny because I often like to ask guests too sometimes, are you in a place now that your 10 or 20 year old self imagined? But if you're back to 20, who knows now? <laughs> <laughs> but the answer would be no. I, you know, I went to school when I started at university, I thought I was going to be a zoologist and I was going to work with marine mammals, but I had to take calculus and that didn't work so well. <laughs> so well, maybe so you're in no. a different kind of zoo now. Who knows? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows no. what the federal realm will be like? <laughs> yeah, my life, uh, my life unfolded without any premonition of where this would go. But I believe my life has unfolded as it was meant to. Mm -hmm. uh, another question that I usually like to ask too is obviously, as you've said, you're kind of on your fourth career. You've also raised a family you've taken a lot of chances and not always at the most, you know, stable times. Has it become easier to put yourself out there to bet on yourself to does the confidence grow every step that you take that you feel that is in the right direction for you? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I, I think confidence is an important question, or an important comment to make. I assume you people can build confidence and with more knowledge, you, you mm -hmm. build confidence. I, I always have been, frankly, a pretty confident person. Um, you know, I've always been outspoken. I've always, you know, I'm not shy, like speaking in public doesn't, you know, cause me any kind of grief. And for a lot of people, that's like, really what? Like, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but I, I think going to my confidence in moving forward, I would say at this point, yes, but that hasn't always been the case. So we talked quickly about me leaving my secure job and going to a self-employed that that was risky. But you know what? I think I always knew that if it didn't work, I could go I could go find a job any day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I knew I could go back to what I had been doing. And so I think that gives you confidence. Yes. Um, it was always nerve wracking to be in an election. Yes. Always. Like, you know, I nothing's guaranteed, right? You have to be prepared to lose. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, probably, honestly, I can say that. I'm not sure I ever was yeah. prepared to lose. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to step away on my terms. You know, uh, honestly, getting elected for that third term was risky. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I could have been a different outcome. Uh, because the longer you're doing this kind of work, you know, the more people, you know, again, it's like want change or whatever that mm -hmm. means. Um, yeah. um, so I think at this point, in my life, um, I had confidence that I would find something fulfilling to do. But as I've mentioned, I'm, I didn't know it would be this. And so I just, you know, I'm really, really grateful, really grateful. Well, I think you've provided a lot of insight. Um, and as I said, in the introduction, some really worthy life lessons about, uh, you know, kind of just going for it, right? Why yeah. not? So, you know, life's short, you know, you, you might as well go for it and do what you want. And I, 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 I'll tell you, I cannot imagine when I talk to people who are waiting to retire or counting the days until they don't have to do this job anymore. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't wish that for people. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I would like to think, I mean, sometimes you just have to work to, to make an income and not everybody is probably going to be blessed enough to have work that they truly enjoy. And if that's mm -hmm. the case, then find something else that fulfills you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if work is just work and work is a job, uh, I've never had, well, except when I was much younger, a job where I kind of go in Monday to Friday, eight yeah. to five and at night walk away from my job. Like I don't mm-hmm. ever, I, I can't. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, I might've yeah. been waitressing university, but then I was working on university. Um, exactly. So, yeah. so again, I, I know, I, I know I'm, I know I'm blessed, um, but I do think you can manifest this, this life. And I think you can work towards finding work and career that's fulfilling. And if that really isn't available to you, then just find something else that, that fills you up because nobody should go through life just plodding along. Mm-hmm. you know, day in, day out. It's, uh, yeah, it's just too short. We're not here yeah. for very long. Well, I think that's a great note to kind of bring us to a close, but I do like to end now with a, with a new little segment, uh, that I can leave with people. So I'm going to put you, put you in the hot seat, the rapid fire here. No, I'm just joking. Um, but it's, it's a bit of a currently questions. So I like to ask my guests some things they are currently enjoying in uh, different areas. So I will start with what are you currently reading? I am currently reading uh, the Reconciliation Manifesto by Arthur Manuel, which is about uh, the Indian Act and uh, Indigenous people in Canada. It's a great read. He's a great author. Excellent. I'll have to add that to my list. Well, and the other one, by the way, I just... The other one I just finished reading, which was also great, is um, 21, uh, 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, also yeah. another one that I've been hearing um, really, really great reviews about. Yeah. All right. We will move on then to currently listening. So whether it's a album, podcast... What's going in the earphones these days? Or well, Parlay is my favorite podcast. Oh well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm pretty much a Spotify girl. Like if I'm in the yeah. car or something, I just want mm-hmm. to listen to my own music that I create. That I, you know, yeah. like the playlist I put up. But mm-hmm. that's kind of my. I find listening to books in the car put me to sleep. So that's not yeah. good when you're driving. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not advisable if that's what it does to you. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Well, I'm a big Spotify fan too. And the podcast is on Spotify. So if anybody's in the car and wants to listen to the podcast, which hopefully doesn't put you to sleep, you can find yes, it there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Currently watching, because obviously we've all been, you know, driving up the shares of uh, Netflix, Crave, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the point in all my series where I'm waiting week by week. So yes. uh, right now I'm on Yellowstone Succession Ugh. and The Morning Show, and I'm a huge fan of The Handmaid's awesome. too. Oh, okay. Well, we are, we're uh, simpatico on all of that then. <laughs> <laughs> Currently eating another favorite pastime of COVID for most of us. Yeah. <laughs> Any favorite you snacks, know, meals that yeah. have come out of the pandemic? That I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sweet and salty person. So give me a few potato chips and there's always a chocolate stash in this house, which I try not to let anybody else know where it is. Smart. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, currently manifesting any quotes, mantras, or sayings that resonate with you? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to read this one, but I do encourage people to go read The Man in the Arena, which was a Theodore Roosevelt quote about it's not the critic who counts. It's amazing. Did you want me to to read it? (laughs) Yes, please. Because you know what? I went to the Alberta Hall of Fame induction ceremony last night and that was read um in one of the induction speeches and it is a very very moving piece of literature all right well let's end on this okay the man in the arena Mm -hmm. it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs 
to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. I, just, I, I got goosebumps again. I, I heard it last night. I hadn't heard it in a while and uh, it's very powerful. Yeah, I agree. That's one I keep uh, over my head all the time. Mm-hmm. Get into that arena. Exactly. Get in the arena. There you go. You heard it from Senator Karen Zorinson. Get in the arena. Thanks so much, <laughs> Kelly. Perfect. Well, we'll sign off here, Karen. Thank you so much for your time. I know you are very busy and transitioning and learning your new role. And I'm very excited for um, what you're bringing to the table at the Senate. So thank you for for your service to our country in that respect. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. (laughs) And thanks for having me. That was great fun. Yeah, super fun. Well, we'll close this out here. So the power of connected conversation never ceases to amaze me. Time is precious, so thank you for tuning in. Visit the Parlay website for notes from today's conversation and where you can learn more about Karen. Join me on the next episode of Parlay as we continue to journey on with inspiring individuals and learn invaluable lessons for betting on yourself. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Take care.